Every day that God has made is wonderful. Would you agree? It's so important that we remind ourselves of that, that each day this is the day that the Lord has made. We can rejoice and be glad in it. So I'd like to share with you some thoughts about giving thanks. Y'all know I was going to be talking about that today, right? <laughs> you you kind of guessed it. You kind of figured it, that I would be talking about giving thanks, which is the title of the sermon this morning. I'd like you to turn with me, if you don't mind, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Three verses, very short, very impactful, reminds us of some very key things that Paul is speaking of here through the unction of the Holy Ghost. And it reads, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks. I kind of thought about this a little bit as Paul is writing these final words in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 to the Christians that are in the church in Thessalonica. He also says, give it all, let all believers read it. He's making these statements about giving thanks. Be appreciative. Understand what the Lord has done. How good he's been. So he does by writing these words and other words that indicate this very point of how important it is to give thanks. But the word I would like to focus a little bit on in this particular scripture passage, which we'll look at all of them, is that particular word, give thanks. See, thanks, the Hebrew word of thanks or thanksgiving is todah. When the Hebrews speak that word, they, they're saying thank you. They're saying we give thanks. And as we look at the Hebrew alphabet, there's three letters that stick out when we see that word todah. They are ta, dola, doleth, and hey. But one of the first times we see this in scripture is Nehemiah, the 12th chapter, verse 46. If you remember the, uh, what's going on in the book of Nehemiah, the Israelites have gone into captivity for 70 years for disobeying God, not trusting him, not being obedient. And their walls of Jerusalem have been torn down. They've been destroyed. And the people, as they start coming back, the elders come back and they see this city that has been destroyed. And it's a reflection of their faith how their faith had been torn down, how they had not trusted in God. And so the elders of Israel, the Bible says, they wept bitterly. They were in great sorrow because they saw what they had done, how they had left God, how they had not trusted in him. And now their city reflected that very state of ruin. And so in the book of Nehemiah, the 12th chapter, the 46th verse, after they had come back and started rebuilding the city and rebuilding the walls and things had become 
to be established again, we see these very words. For in the days of David and Astoth of old, trying to remember, not forgetting where they came from. Because sometimes we want to forget where we come from, right? These, there were chief of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving unto God. See, it was reminding them back in the day we used to sing songs, we used to give thanks, we used to praise God. We got a little bit, things got a little easier, or maybe they even got a little worse, and we stopped singing praise. We stopped giving thanks. We stopped singing songs to the Lord. And so he's reminding us how how important it is to, in all things, give thanks. And it's so important that we put it in the right context. And so let's look at the word for thanksgiving a little bit closer. Yes, thanksgiving is a form of praise to God. It's a form of giving God praise in every aspect of our life. But the writer here in Nehemiah separates it out. He says praise and thanksgiving so that we can just stop for a moment and give an understanding of this word, todah. See, it's the word that comes from the root of hatodah, which leads to the word yada. And we're giving God yada, praise. It is very closely related to yada, which means intimacy. That we're going to be intimate in our praise, intimate in our thanks towards him. It is thanksgiving that leads us to this intimacy with God. So let me go a little bit farther as we see todah, meaning thank you. And in Hebrew, as I mentioned, those three words, ta, dolaf, and hey. The ta means that letter there that we see in the, in the Hebrew alphabet, it means truth. And we were reminded that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So as we sing todah, we say todah, the word thank you, it's the element of ta being truth. And then it goes to the next letter in that Hebrew alphabet, alphabet dolof, which means a doorway. Truth. Doorway. And in the third letter, hey, which means in the presence of God. And so as we give todah, as we give thanks to God, we give thanks because of his truth. Because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. This truth leads us to the door. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It allow you to have access with God. Allow you to enter into the presence of God through that door. And then, hey, in the presence of God. So these, this, this one word encompasses all of these things to say this very point. Our thanksgiving to Jesus and for Jesus. Our thanksgiving for his sacrifice on the cross led us to the doorway 
to the presence of God and intimacy with him. And it was because of that truth when we heard it for the very first time. And if we made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we heard truth. That doorway gave us access into the very presence of God so that we could have intimacy with him. Not just to be in his presence, but to have an intimate presence with a holy God. See, I believe this is what Jesus was talking about when he was sitting with the disciples. And on that day, they had that last supper. They're in the upper room. He grabs the bread and he gives thanks. He shares it with the disciples and he says, do this in remembrance of me. Be thankful in remembrance of me. Don't let it just pass you. Don't let it just be a routine or something that you go through, but allow it to help you enter into the very intimacy with God. That you enter into his presence through your thanks. That Jesus Christ, yes, is the way, the truth, and the life. But as we give thanks for what he's done, as we appreciate and have an attitude of gratitude, it helps us press in into the very presence of God, which is, which is intimate and sweet and wonderful. See, that meaning of thanksgiving is a meaning of adoration, of thankfulness for his sacrifice, of praise for his goodness, an offering like a sweet-smelling aroma into God's nostrils. Thanksgiving was a grateful language and is a grateful language as an act of worship. Rarely, if ever, was thanksgiving extended to any person or thing except God. But unfortunately, in our country, we, we kind of, you know, we can take things and we can push it in another direction. See, feasting many, many years ago, a long time before America was formed, the English people would celebrate Thanksgiving that didn't include feasting on a meal, but involved fasting, prayer, and supplication to God. It wasn't until Abraham Lincoln signed a bill making Thanksgiving a national holiday during this time of the Civil War around that era, the 1860s, that it was even a holiday. But it was always intended. So when we look way back in Nehemiah, way back in the book of Chronicles, that it would be an offering of praise in a way that was sweet and intimate and sincere of knowing the goodness of God and being thankful for all of his blessings. So, so, so let me share with you how we can kind of walk back and, and, uh, and always be mindful of this growing attitude of gratitude, of, of thankfulness, because you know, the reality of it is there's a whole lot of stuff in this world that can mess us up and can get our eyes off of being 
truly thankful for all of God's goodness. And so I believe that God uh, shows us some steps here so that we can always stay focused. The first step, I believe, is hinted at in 1 Chronicles 16, verse 34. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34, and I'm going to be reading from the uh, English Standard Version on these particular ones. It says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. See, there are some key words there that we see. It says first, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. See, it's reminding us that there might not be some things in this world that we can be thankful about, but we can always be thankful that God is good. And the first step of being able to grow into that attitude is give it. Being willing to give thanks. It must be given to be able to get something from it. You're reminded of the scripture where it says it's more blessed to give than receive. Any of y'all ever heard that before? That word blessed means made holy, consecrated. So as we give thanks, there is something that happens. Maybe we don't have the moment, we're in that moment where we don't really feel like it. We really don't, you know, we got that, uh, like a young man, a man mentioned before, uh, back in Virginia, he would go to school and uh, he went to Liberty University and he had a bunch of friends. And a bunch of friends would always see him with this mad face. They always thought he was mad. And so one of his friends started giving him a name. He started calling him Mad Mug and Mean Face. And he said, why are you always mad, mugging, mean face? And he said, I'm not mad. I'm just focused. I, you know, sometimes when I'm focused, my face, you know, it gets kind of hard and rigid. Or it looks serious. And so I say that to say, sometimes we can have, look at situations and we can look at them uh, uh, so the wrong way. And it's so important that we fix our eyes upon Jesus, on God's goodness, so it can change our attitude about how we're seeing something and then be willing to give thanks. Give it. And as we give it, more blessed to give than receive, there's a holy consecration that comes upon us. There's a blessings that comes upon us because we were willing to just step out and give. The second step, because sometimes, you know, we, we, we're giving and we're just, you know, we, we're not feeling it, right? We're just, you know, we're kind of like, Lord, I, I thank you, Lord. I know you're good. Lord, I know you're gracious. The Bible reminds us of this point in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 and verse 11. It talks about being a cheerful giver. It says each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
But see, there's a result that happens, you know, you know, the first step we need to give, you know, we, and then the second step, we get to a point where we're, we're, we're giving cheerfully, whether that's in our expression of praise or our giving of substance, to give cheerfully, and there's something that happens. Look what verse 11 says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. See, that word enriched in every way means added to or increased. So as we're giving, then we move to a point of being willing to give cheerfully. There's an adding to. There's an increasing that comes upon you. That now you're able to give even more. You're able to bless even more. And that cheerfulness comes upon you. And you're starting to see the wonderful works of God. And you're reminded of his goodness and his grace. And before you know it, you can't help but give out of that thankful heart. Because you're thankful. God is enriching. He's blessing over and over. He's never forgot about you. Maybe it begins with it seeming like you have nothing to give. Or little to give. Maybe it just like all the energy has been sucked out of you. But you acknowledge and recognize that God is still in it. No matter what situation you go through, no matter what trial, no matter what tribulation, he is there. He is in the middle of it. He's working it out. And he is your sustainer and keeper. You know, maybe you've been like me, you kind of went through some times where you just thought you weren't going to get through. You weren't going to make it. Y'all probably heard me mention one time when I was in Iraq, I was driving down, well, I wasn't driving, I had a a soldier that was driving with me, and we turned down this wrong road, and immediately when we turned down this road, we knew we were in the wrong place, and I made the decision for us to leave our the rest of our unit and to go and try to scout out or find the right direction to go. And so I turned us down this road. It was just four of us in one vehicle. And immediately we saw many Iraqi men starting to form up, starting to start circling the vehicle. And I immediately told the driver, get us out of here, turn around. We switched our weapons from safe to, f- to fire. And I didn't know whether or not we were going to make it out of that situation. But somehow I felt 
that he was in the middle of it. And so we were able to get that vehicle turned around. We were able to get out of there before it got into a situation where we were going to have to be firing our weapons. But I could sense that it was God's hand of mercy, God's grace, that he's a sustainer. And so he saw us through that. It's so important that we enter into, as we acknowledge that he's a sustainer, that he's the keeper, that we enter into an intimate presence by giving thanks. See, I could have walked away, we could have walked away and been like, woof, you know, that was close call. You know, I'm glad we had our uh, rabbit's foot and called it all kind of other things. But the reality is that God was so merciful. And that he saw, that he loved so much that that wasn't the time. He's like, Jeff, I want you to come and be with me, but not right now. And so giving him thanks. Oh, it's God saw us through. And so I can, i reminded of the intimacy with him. I'm reminded of the goodness that I felt in that presence, in that moment. When I gave thanks. And gave it cheerfully. In those kind of moments, you want to give it cheerfully, right? <laughs> and cheerfully share it with somebody else. That leads us to this third step of a grateful heart. We see in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, Paul pins these words. He says, be not, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, Paul is telling us that we are not going to be without situations. You're going to have some situations in your life. You're going to have some times where it's going to seem trying and difficult. He says, don't be anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to him. Watch out for those situations that can take your eyes off of him. And get your eyes on that situation that you get anxi anxiety about it and it just turns over and over in your mind and heart. And we forget that God's ever-present, that he's right there. And we're spinning in that situation. And he says, let God guard your hearts and minds as you give him intimate praise. 
Let him guard your heart. Let him guard your mind. Don't get caught up in the whirlwind of those situations because guess what? There's going to be more. I was caught in a dust storm one time and that dust storm lifted up the tent and it somewhat lifted up me. And it's like a whirlwind. It's like a mini hurricane. A dust storm is. And they come and they just grab stuff up and they throw it around. And I got caught. I'm hanging onto the pole. We have these tent poles. And I feel my leg start lifting up. And, stu- and debris and the things are thrown around. And then it's just as quickly as it caught. I got caught up in that dust storm. It's quickly subsided. And calmed down. See, it's like the situations of life. They're going to feel rough and hectic and crazy in the moment. But Jesus said, peace be still. You can trust him. See, when you don't have nothing and you, you know, and, and, and there it, he's speaking to your heart about giving, giving of your praise, giving of the things you have, it can seem so difficult. When you have something and, 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 and you're holding on to that something and it feels like it's going to be snatched away from you, it can feel difficult. But you know, in all of those situations, God is there. Paul said it this way. He said, I've learned that whatever state I'm in, to be content. I've learned how to be abased, suffer need. I've learned how to be abound, to have plenty. I've learned to trust in God. See, George Bernard Shaw said it this way. Two things define you. Your patience when you have nothing or your attitude when you have everything. Are you patiently trusting in the Lord when it seems like you have nothing? When you got more months than you got bills. I mean, you got more months than you got money. When it seems like everybody keeps calling, wanting something. When it seems like you're going to run out. Don't let those situations define you. But how you respond to a living, on-time God. So what is God's intended goal or purpose? Why is God kind of walking us through all of this and reminding us to be thankful? It goes back to the scripture reference that I gave this morning. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The will of God. 
said, wait a minute, Pastor Jeff, you saying this is God's will that I rejoice always? Yes. Because that rejoice word means to be glad. That there's a gladness that we have in this life. That we have a great outlook. That we understand who we are in Christ. That we know whose we are. That we belong to the most high king. And that we know his plans and his purpose for our life. To love God and to love others. To walk pleasing in his sight. To be circumspect in this world. To be light and salt. To be a living example of God's goodness and his grace. To glorify him. And so he says rejoice always. Don't get happy when you got a little bit. And sad when you don't. Rejoice always. Because you got more than we ever deserve. He goes on to say, pray without ceasing. And this is the will of God for you, that you would be in continual contact with him. Continually talking and communicating with God. Having a continuous abiding in him. Doesn't mean that you're always praying like this, and you're on your knees, and, but that your conscience, your mind is on him. Your heart is turned towards him. As you're living out your life, it's a life with him, trusting him all the way, constantly having God on your mind, being singly-minded, singly not double-minded, walking in relationship with him. And then Paul says this, in everything, give thanks. Give an intimate praise to God. As you do this, as you walk out this life, you will enter into the doorway of God because of what Christ did on the cross for you. You are a holy priesthood. Because of that holy priesthood, you can enter into his presence with thanksgiving. You can have a greater intimate connection with God the special act of giving thanks thereby fulfilling the will of God in Christ Jesus for you and so I spoke about Paul a little bit but Paul is a great example of this very point because Paul was a hard rigid letter of the law kind of man when he was Saul He took the Jewish law, the Mosaic law, very seriously. He was legalistic with it, so much so that it caused him to be a murderer, to stone and kill and put people in prison. But on that day of Damascus, when Jesus came to him, and the light of Christ shined upon him. He surrendered himself to the will of the Father. 
And this man was transformed from the inside out to a man that loved God and loved others. And this is why Paul could be in the prison, he could be persecuted, he could be stoned. He said, yet, for I go for the Lord. He can sit in that prison and sing songs and praise God so much so that the chains break off the doors. So much so that the guardsmen think he's ran away and he reminds them, don't kill yourself. We're right here. We're just praising God. I think through this, Paul was giving us two things to draw upon. That Jesus Christ, with thanksgiving, allows us to fully experience a rich relationship with God. See, he said it in Colossians 3, 16 and 17. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs, and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. Don't forget to give thanks. I think Paul also draws to the point that as we accept Jesus Christ, and we give thanks, thanks always. This thanksgiving is the replacement for sin. You say, well, pastor, how in the world you see, you see that? Well, let me show you. In Ephesians 5, verse 2 through 4, it says this, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. See, he's saying if we have our mind and set on giving thanks, if that's our occupation that we're walking in, all these other things get replaced with that thanksgiving. See, if I'm trusting in the Lord and I'm being thankful to him, I'm not going to want to do anything wrong to my neighbor. I'm not going to want to cause these things to happen because I'm in that intimate relationship with God. And instead of doing those things, I'm giving thanks. When we are thankful to the one who is worth our thanksgiving, our thoughts are on him. They're on his will. They're on his plans and purposes and not on sin. It gives us an attitude of gratitude. It changes our perspective about this life we are living. Paul said, I've learned, again, whatever state I'm in, to be content. 
It is an attitude that has been worked out in God and for him. See, a part of that is we're going to be working out our attitude. We're going to be working out how peaceful we are, how joyful, how joyful we are. So that not only on that Thursday when we're sitting down and we're so thankful for Thanksgiving, but every day we give thanks. Every day our soul, our mind, will, and emotions is delivered from the cares of this world and put on the cares of God. There's a commentary in in, uh, Desiring God that said this, if we do not believe we are deeply indebted to God for all we have or hope to have, then the very spring of gratitude has gone dry and it's replaced with violence and ugliness. That's where our world is today. But saints of God, that doesn't have to be us. We are deeply indebted to God. We love him because he first loved us. So having an attitude of gratitude means having a, a conscious focus on the one who is our hope, our joy, our peace, and on everything that is positive, and then expressing that gratitude in an actionable way to God. And this causes us to respond a certain way to others. That we love others because we know that without a shadow of doubt that he loves us. And that no matter what the situation Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. So Paul put it this way. He said, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to, to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And if you've been persuaded that way, you can't help but give thanks. So saints of God, give thanks. If you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, Let today be the day.